Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Piers Morgan Uncensored. Coming up on tonight's program, Stanley Johnson will be here to talk trophy hunting for big beasts and endangered species. I'll also ask him about animals. Money Over Morals has sports sold out to Saudi Arabia. Football legend Harry Redknapp will be here live. And she lost a court case to Johnny Depp. But Amber Heard has not stopped playing the victim. Do you stand by your testimony and your accusations against Johnny Depp about abuse? Of course, to my dying day, we'll stand by every word of my testimony. Bad news, I'm afraid to start. Amber Heard is still yapping. Uh, she's broken her silence, which didn't last very long, in a new sit-down interview after her defamation trial loss to ex-husband Johnny Depp, insisting that he's the liar and repeating claims that he assaulted her during their marriage. Because we've heard all this before, haven't we? And the more that she whines and plays the victim, rather like that other American actress, Meghan Markle, the less credible she becomes. This was the most humiliating and horrible thing I've ever been through. And the vast majority of this trial was played out on social media. I think it, the jury saw it. How could they not? It would have been impossible to avoid this. He says, you start physical fights and you say, I did start a physical fight. I can't promise you I won't get physical again. I mean, this is in black and white. I understand context. But you're testifying and you're just telling me today, I never started a physical fight, and here you are on tape saying you did. As I testified on the stand about this, is that when your life is at risk, not only will you take the blame for things that you shouldn't take the blame for, but when you're in an abusive dynamic psychologically, emotionally, and physically, you don't have the resources that, say, you or I do with the luxury of saying, hey, this is black and white. But then there are other times, there's another tape where you're taunting him and saying, oh, tell the world, Johnny Depp, I, a man, am the victim of domestic violence. 20-second clips or the transcripts of them are not representative of even the two hours or the three hours that those clips are excerpt from. He and says he never hit you. He never. Is yeah. that a lie? Yes, it is. In the closing arguments, the Depp lawyers called your testimony the performance of a lifetime. What do you say to that? Says the lawyer for the man who convinced the world he had scissors for fingers. When I asked his lawyers, why do you think you won? And the answer I got was because she never took responsibility for anything she did in the marriage. I did do and say horrible 
regrettable things throughout my relationship. Do you think that maybe he just had better lawyers? I will say his, his lawyers did a, certainly a better job of distracting the jury from the real issues. Do you stand by your testimony and your accusations against Johnny Depp about abuse? Of course, to my dying day, we'll stand by every word of my testimony. I'm joined now by civil rights attorney, Lisa Bloom. Lisa, lovely to talk to you again. Um, when I watched this well. this morning on the Today Show, I've got to be honest with you, my mind went back to Meghan Markle's Oprah Winfrey to our wine-a-thon. Because the longer Amber Heard talks, frankly, the more she whines, the more she plays the victim, the more she tries to blame everybody but herself, as with Meghan Markle, the, the less I believe her. I just find her a, a really incredible, or rather uncredible, witness. Or both, actually. Well, you certainly have a right to your opinion, Piers, and I have a right to mine. I have a lot of sympathy for Amber Heard. I agree with the couple's marriage counselor that they were both abusive to each other. And there's no question that she was vilified on social media. As she says, she had to go into court past blocks and blocks of Johnny Depp superfans holding up signs that she deserved to die. I mean, this was a horrific experience for her. She stands by her testimony. My concern for her is, is she going to get hit with a new defamation case because now she's out there calling him a liar? Right, and also my question would be, if Johnny Depp had lost that case, would he have been allowed on the Today Show to call his victim a liar, to stand by everything that he'd said? I don't think he would have been given the platform. So, to me, there's a double standard there. You've oh. been involved in many of these, these cases, I know, but I think there's a real <laughs> yes. double standard there. I think the Today Show would have been thrilled to have him on if he lost to tell his side or any of these high-profile guys uh, who are accused. Uh, I don't think that's a problem. I don't think he has a problem having a platform. He's got a massive platform. He's an A-list celebrity. He's wealthy beyond all imagining. I don't think that would have been. No, a no, I don't think. Well, I, no. I don't think this was a good idea for Amber, though. No, I thought it was a total uh, train wreck for her. But my point being, I don't think the Today Show would have given Johnny Depp the chance to continue playing the victim if he'd been found guilty of domestic violence. And my issue watching Amber Heard was right. a jury didn't believe her. You know, 95% of the, of the verdict right. went Johnny Depp's way. They thought she was the liar. And, in fact, the only hard evidence that came out during the entire case about domestic actual violence, physical violence, was by her, not by Johnny Depp. Yes, but keep in mind, she used the term domestic abuse, which includes emotional abuse, sexual abuse, psychological abuse. She never said in that op-ed that was the center of the whole case that he physically abused her. And I also think Samantha Guthrie at the Today Show did a pretty good job. She's an attorney. Yeah. Uh, I know Samantha a little bit. She's tough. And I think she did a pretty good job of saying, look, just as you just said, Piers, look, Amber Heard, uh, the jury didn't believe you. The jury felt that you were a liar. I mean, she really you know, did a pretty tough interview there. You know, the problem I have, Lisa, with, with, with the whole thing with Amber Heard, and I've got no great truck for Johnny Depp, by the way. I think he came out of it pretty awfully too. Uh, but I think his behaviour since <laughs> yeah. has been a lot more respectful to the process. He certainly hasn't, you know, tried to hammer things home with, with Amber Heard in the press by, you know, continuing to rant about her. But my whole problem with it, if you go back to that first piece that she wrote, we now live in a, in a culture, in a society 
where there is a premium to people to play the victim, to write these kind of heart-rending op-eds, positioning themselves as these terrible victims. What, what became clear through this case was that, at very best, this was a mutually toxic, abusive situation. She certainly wasn't the victim. And yet, there she was, taking space in a major national newspaper to write this searing op-ed as a kind of representative for the victims of domestic violence. And I think that, that goes to, in my mind, this culture we now have, where people can build a career out of victimhood. And many of them do it. And I think it diminishes real victims, people who are really suffering, really being abused, really the victims of domestic violence. And I'm cynical about it. And I'm seeing it more and more. And I'm like, what is happening when, when there's that mindset? Well, I, I don't necessarily agree with you, Piers, that people make careers out of victimhood because I represent dozens and dozens of victims of sexual abuse and race discrimination right now in my law firm. And I can tell you, no, none of my clients want to be in this position. They wish it never happened. They wish they could just go on with their lives. Most of them never do any media. They just want justice. They just want some fairness and accountability. And with regard to Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, they can both be victims. And I think there are many marriages where the both parties parties abuse each other, and it's horrific, and they can both be hurting. And in the article, she talked about the massive backlash that she had gotten in Hollywood for saying that she was a victim. Mm. And clearly what we've seen, the massive social media hate for Amber Heard and, and what she's had to experience in the last couple of months of this trial, uh, not, it's not something yeah, anybody but again, you know, I, I, I agree. not I, coming out of this a winner. Yeah, look, I don't, I don't like the social media pile on with her. It can get very nasty, very ugly. But her insinuation that the jury yes. must have been reading all this and that's why they found against her, I think is extremely, in my view, disrespectful to the process, to the court case, to the jury. It's like, I'm pretty sure they're not allowed to read any social media. So maybe they're, one or two did, we don't they're know. They're not supposed to. Right, so we're not supposed they're to. They're not supposed to, but you and I know... Piers, when was the last time you were off of Twitter for six weeks? Uh, probably before Twitter began. Try, try like, six minutes. Mo most of us are pretty addicted. <laughs> <laughs> most of us are pretty addicted to social media, whether it's Instagram or mm. Twitter, whatever it is. And to say that they were all entirely off for six weeks, that none of their friends and family members talked to them about it, I mean, do we really believe that? No, but it could be. Age? It could be, Lisa, Listen, I work it? with juries. I know. They, but, they, but, but ultimately, they say one thing and they do another thing. I know, but ultimately, to me... It comes back to this thing where you know, all women must be believed as a starting point for these kind of cases. I think all women should be listened well, to and evidence should be studied. Of course. But I think the clear, overwhelming sort of fallout from Meghan Markle, Oprah Winfrey, Amber Heard and this court case is that actually, no, not all women should be automatically believed because sometimes they're telling porky pies. Well, listen, no sane person says that all women must be believed. I mean, that's absurd. I think you're right. A lot of we people do say that. Any accuser, I represent men. I don't know about a lot of people saying that, Piers. Maybe there's always fringe people on both sides of things. But I think we want to take these allegations seriously. I think what the Me Too movement has taught us, that a lot more people are sexually abused and sexually harassed than we ever knew in the past. And we're all taking this a lot more seriously, and we should. And a lot of prominent people, mostly men, have been taken down by the Me Too movement, and they should have. 
And so overall, it's a positive thing. But there's always going to be outliers, people who make up stories, and we have to have due process. I agree yeah. with you. I listen. I agree with everything you just said. I think I think that most of the Me Too movement and Times Up movements have been uh, long overdue and very necessary. A lot of bad people have been held to proper account. I just think when I watch someone like Amber Heard, I see an actress, and I see somebody who lost, but who doesn't want to admit she lost. She's a kind of Donald Trump. Well, actresses. Johnny Depp is a more successful actor. Sorry? <laughs> Johnny Depp, yeah. But Johnny Sorry. Depp... Johnny, I he's a far more successful actor. Why isn't he accused of acting when I he's just, on the stand? I just know if Johnny Depp had lost, there's no way he'd have been allowed to carry on calling his victim a liar on primetime American television. They wouldn't have allowed it. Well, you know, I'll defer to you. You know more about television than I do. I'm just a simple <laughs> civil rights lawyer representing victims. Oh, I'm not actually <laughs> sure about that, Lisa. You're a very accomplished television performer these days. Uh, great to talk to you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Always good to see you. Thank you, Piers. Well, on says the next, uh, Stanley Johnson is son. Uh, was obviously too scared to be interviewed by me, runs into fridges to avoid me, but his father is made of tougher stuff. There is the Prime Minister's dad. He'll be here live and unleashed to talk about endangered species, big beasts facing possible extinction. And a sport sold out to Saudi Arabia where the great Harry Redknapp will be here to talk about sports washing. What is it? Does it matter? And the first flight transporting asylum seekers from UK to Rwanda leaves in just over an hour. But we're now down to just six people on board at vast expense. Will this controversial migrant policy take off? Adam Bolton and Richard Tice will be here to debate. Well, an endangered species is a beast considered highly likely to become extinct in the near future, fending increasingly for themselves. They're put at risk by the loss of territory. Their plight is made worse by ruthless poachers who often want to bring them down as a trophy to their own prowess. Sadly, these big beasts are sometimes too deluded to realise that it's already over. It's only the poor marksmanship of the hapless hunters that spares them their futures. Stanley Johnson is here. You're not talking politics, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Stanley, I'm obviously talking uh, trophy hunting and endangered species. No, let's start first of I, all. I sense a trap. It's not a trap. Uh, let's just be completely upfront about this. Talking of endangered species uh, who may be facing yeah. possible end. Your son, Boris. I have to ask you about it because he won't come on the show. I've I'm, I'm interviewed him in seven years. Now, let's talk, if I might, about endangered species. Well, we will. Okay. But let's talk about Boris first. All right. Then we'll come to the trophy yeah. and, and your book. I'm just curious. You're his dad, right? He's been through one hell of a yeah. period in his life. He becomes prime minister. He gets Brexit done. He's then hit by a global pandemic. He's hit by a war in Ukraine. Uh, he's hit by all sorts of stuff. Surging inflation now. In the middle of it, he gets COVID and nearly dies. His mother dies. You put all this together, that's a hell of a two and a half years for any human being. As his father, when you've watched him go through all this, what have you been thinking? I've been thinking I am very proud of this boy, of this man, of this PM. I mean, that, that's what I say to myself. I mean, he caught, you know, the big calls, right? And as far as I'm concerned, he's got a lot of things right. You know, OK, I'm an environmentalist. I think the way he pushed on climate change, the way he pushed on biodiversity, the way he pushed, if we get to it, to, to this issue about endangered species, yeah. it's fine. And honestly, you know, if you're asking me my, my absolute opinion on this, 
I'd say, I'd say, I, I, I listened to what, you, what Imran Khan said to you the mm. other day. You know, people in, in Karachi are, are bewildered at the attention which this, this Partygate, Beergate or yeah, something. but you know has why had. It's, had, it's, yeah. it's rattled people. The, the Partygate is not really about parties, yeah. right? You and I have been to a lot it's, of parties it's together, just... right? It's not, about, it's not about the parties. Yeah. It's about the, the time when he and his government were locking people in their homes and yeah. they couldn't go and see dying relatives who were literally dying in hospital from COVID. That was the rule, the law. When the Queen was at her own husband's yeah. funeral, sitting on her own, because she wanted to abide by the letter yeah. of the law. There is Boris, the Prime Minister, being fined by the police for breaking his own law, oh. and 84 of his staff fined for hold illegal on, party. On, yes. So that's the scandal. No, well, I don't actually see it in that, in, in that way, because I see it as something that happened on the 19th of... on the 19th of June 2020, which was just a few weeks after he came out of out of hospital, having been really seriously ill. Mm. He steps by for, for 20 minutes. It's his birthday. It wasn't a birthday party, as he I He broke know. his own law, Stanley. Yeah, come on. We come did. on, Piers. We're not done. Well, don't don't take my word for it. Take the police's word for it. OK. I think that that is time. It is time to move on from that. You know, it, it, it was a situation where, yes, he has a drink... He put this head of glass in his hand, and that was it. That was the end of it. Yeah, but it's not yeah. about the drink, is it? It's about yeah. having a party which breaks his own rules. Hey, hey, Piers. When, other, when he was telling other yeah. people every day from the podium, you can't do this. It's the doing one thing and preaching another. Now, Piers, you know that. Look, I know you're in charge of this interview, and no reason why you shouldn't be, because, you know, you're the, you're the big cheese. But I didn't come here, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's high time mm. we moved on to things which really matter, which are the things he is doing now. Do you see? It's the things he's doing, doing and, you, and you mentioned them. You know, COVID, let's hope that's out of the way. Inflation, he's got to deal with it. Ukraine, Ukraine. Well, who is taking the lead on Ukraine? I think he's been good on Ukraine. Yeah. I, I do. I think Boris yeah. has been... I think he's been a leader on Ukraine. And on the big calls, on COVID, yeah. I think he got some right and some horribly wrong. The first half of it, he was a complete disaster. The second half, I thought, with the vaccine programme rolled out and not locking down, actually, at the end of the last year, I think they were two important calls he got right. It, Britain feels a much freer country right now than if you go abroad. So well, you know, I think he's got some of the calls yeah, right. But the, the idea is he's got all the big calls right well, I don't, is a bit ridiculous, right? I don't think I said that. I think, he's, he's, I think he's got, you know, many of the big calls right, and that's, that, I think, is crucial. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I am... Because you asked me the question, mm. I am particularly pleased to see this son of mine being prime minister. Well, other sons will be prime minister, another matter. But I am very, very pleased about this. And long may he last. Stanley, when you see him being you know, attacked repeatedly for being dishonest, yeah. for being amoral, all those things, what do you feel about it? You I, know him better than most people. Yeah, this is what I feel. I feel this is all a lot of garbage. I mean, total garbage. I see this as the worst kind of journalism. I'm not going to name the journalists. I hope I don't have to meet them. But honestly, I think it's... And I think it's tinged with... Look, it's a hunting scene, isn't it? We're going to get on to hunting, We are going to get on to hunting, yeah. It's a hunting scene. There we are. They think the beast is wounded. Let's gallop after him. Let's fire a few more shots. It is, it is absurd. We have to move Is he irreparably wounded by the fact that 42% of Conservative MPs don't have confidence in him? No, I don't think it's on contrary. If you look at the figures, more Conservative MPs voted 
in a confidence vote for Boris Johnson than have ever voted for a, for a Conservative Prime Minister in any confidence vote. Look at the figures. Now, it may be that's because there were more Conservative MPs to vote. That's why. OK, that's why. But why were there more Conservative MPs? It was because On they won... On the percentage won... share, that, that doesn't work. Leave the percentage out of it. Leave the sheer numbers. Well, the percentage is all that matters, isn't it? Sheer numbers got that result. And you cannot deny that. The, the, the 368 Tory MPs who were elected in... 2019 were elected. You know, I mean, you're, you're a Boris. sharp political animal. You know that actually the stats are now heavily against him. Hardly any Conservative Prime Minister has ever survived much longer than six months from a no-confidence vote, even if they, they all win them. But the margin of the win is what brings them down. Yeah, let me tell you something. I am completely confident that this time, two years from now, you and I will be having this conversation, mm. possibly, and you will be saying, well, you're still the father of Prime Minister then, Stanley. You know what? You, that might be true. I'm not saying necessarily yeah. that should be what happens, but I think you might be right. He has got the escapology skills of Harry Houdini, hasn't he? Houdini, as I recall, eventually died because someone... He did. Struck, <laughs> ..struck him in the tummy rather I'm hard. I'm not mentioning Jeremy Hunt, but, you know, you've got to be careful who's <laughs> um, around him at the moment. Um, look... We need to concentrate on the main things. As far as I'm concerned, why I'm here tonight is mm. there's a crucial moment when this government, and I'm not criticising my Prime Minister, I'm mm. not doing that, but nonetheless, just to show I am not, as it were, starry-eyed, I am deeply worried that the proposal the government um, has promised to make regarding banning trophy hunting yeah. imports has not yet seen the light of day. Well, let's it be quite clear on that, because I agree day. with you about trophy yeah. hunting. I think it's a disgusting thing, and it shouldn't be allowed to happen. Boris said he was going to get rid of it, and he hasn't. So he's gone back on his word. Well, it's... To in, you, no. Stanley. <laughs> it's in the, the word. It was the word as it appeared in the Conservative Party manifesto. And if you ask the government about it, the government says firmly, we are still But have you committed. talked to him privately about this? I don't go into what I say privately mm. to my son, and I wouldn't expect him to say what he says to me, mm. you know, on air. But nonetheless, on this sort of thing, I would prefer to speak out loud to you peers yes. in the privacy of this studio, yes. if you see what I mean, and yeah. say the government has to move on this, because I don't want to say... And for those who I... haven't followed the, the, uh, this whole saga, what is it exactly, you and a lot of signatories to a letter, want to get what done? OK. Trophy hunting is still massively practised all around the world, and by the way, British sportsmen are massively involved in trophy hunting, and we have a time when endangered species are truly endangered. And we've got the animals, we've got... Zebras, lions and rhinos, lions, and they're all... Rhinos. I agree. They're all, they're all there. And yet people are still getting prizes from the Safari Club International, you know, for killing 100 different species of animals. And people are paying $50,000 to fly Absolutely. in from America, from Absolutely. Minnesota. Yeah. We saw the Cecil the Lion. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, so I want the government to really deliver on its promise to bring in this law banning the import of, of, of trophies. And also, I want the government to push hard now on this other thing, which is again in the manifesto, mm. which is to do with animals abroad and the fact that British tourists are going off in huge numbers mm. post-COVID to places like Thailand and India and other places where animals are abused for spectacles and entertainment, particularly Stanley, elephants. we have reached a point of agreement, although I would point out on trophy hunting... Yeah, look at this. Look it's at also that. a prime example of your, of your son saying one thing and not doing it. No, he has got every chance to do it. That is the point. If he's watching this programme, what's your message well, sure to him about trophy hunting? Sure, he watches, watches you every, every day. Well, he never yes. comes on it. 
Well, I can't speak Something to that. Get out of the fridge and get on here. I can't speak to that. But <laughs> I, am, I am convinced that environment remains a top priority of this government. Mm-hmm. Climate change remains a top priority. Biodiversity remains. And animal species okay. is there. You've got a great new book out from an antique yeah. land. You've written how many books now? Uh, this is my 25th. Unbelievable. Where yeah. did you get the energy, you Johnsons? No, I don't have any energy at huh? all. No, 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 it's no, relentless, isn't it? No, it's a very nice thing to say. No, that is a thriller. That is a thriller. And it's all to do with what happened in Cambodia in 1975. I look forward to reading it. I like all your books. The, I wanted to show you a bit of footage. This is of a, cock, uh, a cockerel in Turkey. This is a moment, Stanley, where I think you and I, probably Boris as well, have a moment, don't we, occasionally, when you just want to do this. Watch this cockerel. That's not the, you're sure that's not the call? <laughs> it's not the famous but, Johnson mating call, I, no. I think it could be the call of the Muet scene if it comes from Turkey. <laughs> Watch the end, though, Stan. You see what happens at the end here. It's going, it's going. Now, the last time, the last time I saw a magnificent beast like that doing something similar was when <laughs> you came on Good Morning Britain and we got you to do a handstand. Do you remember this? Oh, come on. I do remember. It's really sensible. Yep. Oh, oh my goodness! Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> one, one again, one again. No, that's enough. Oh, I've got him, I've got him. Oh, there he is. Oh All the money. There, oh, my God, his money's falling out. <laughs> well, Let me get you down gently, What Stanley. I meant to say to you, then, is I always like to put effort. my money where my mouth is. <laughs> I failed to say it then, I'm happy to say it now. Stanley, it's great to see you. Uh, as always, an effervescent presence. And you are a cheater, I've got to tell you, Piers. You know, you lured me in here. It was a bit like Cecil the Lion. Are you, you lured me in I'm here. A, I'm a trophy hunter. I lured him a well, trophy. Well, I, I don't think I'm a trophy. You know but what? Anyway. There's nothing wrong with defending your son, by the way. And we got to talk about trophy hunting and yeah. your book. And I showed you doing a handstand. The words <laughs> you're looking for, Stanley, are thank you, Piers. Good to see you. See you all, folks. Tell Boris to come in soon. We'd have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Stanley. Good to Cheers. see you. I think he's going to get Boris out of the fridge, get him on the show. Well, on the next, the British government flies migrants to Rwanda, impactful or immoral? Pierce back is next. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, from big beasts uh, to two more big beasts, uh, it's the Piers Pack, Talk TV contributor Adam Bolton, Talk TV presenter and leader of Reform UK, Richard Tice. Welcome, heavyweights. Uh, <laughs> did Stanley pass you on the way out? I <laughs> said you were a cheat. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm not taking that from them either. Um, but no, it was a good interview. I like, I like Stanley. Um, let's talk about Rwanda, Richard, because I, I do think this is a genuinely complicated issue. We've got a live shot here of uh, Boscombe down in Wiltshire. This is the plane that's due to leave in about a half an hour's time. We're down to apparently six people are now on this flight, which makes it incredibly expensive, obviously. Does it even make it worth it if he's trying to prove this point? Does this prove anything? I think what it proves, Piers, is the principle. The principle is whether or not the government, the elected government of the day, can carry out one of the key policies that it was elected on, which was to get Brexit done, which included taking back control of our borders. So I think it's really, really important that the plane goes. And we've been through not one, not two, three court processes in the UK, and yet the European Court of Human Rights seems to have decided it wants to interfere. Even if there's nobody on that plane, it should still go with the blessing of the domestic See, my, court. So here's my issue with it. I think what's going on on the sea is unacceptable. It cannot just go on like this. Exactly. You can have more and more boats Correct. and more and more people drowning. It's just not acceptable for us to look at that and think we do nothing. But I can't find it in my heart to think this is British, to then take people, many of whom are genuine asylum seekers, albeit trying to enter the country illegally, but many of them have come from genuine war zones, that we simply say to them, right, we know you've come from Syria, we know you've come from Afghanistan, yes. we know you come from Iraq, which we bombed, by the way, but what we're going to do, we're going to put you on the first plane to Rwanda. Look, there are no good options. We all want to be somewhere else, which but is no-one's coming... comfortable about that? No, no, I, it, all of these are bad options. I, th- I think the government has tried, it's tried to work with France, everything else has failed, and essentially this is saying... It's another last-ditch attempt. I also think here, Piers, that Rwanda's actually getting a very bad press 
by uh, quite a lot of people here who may not know what they're thinking about. For example, the United Nations' own report recently said, and I'll just read it out, Rwanda's made notable uh, strides toward improving people's lives. There's 130,000 refugees there. Rwanda has been impressive with progress. Rwanda's done an excellent job integrating refugees. It's built over 500 classrooms for 20,000 well, children. Well, as I mentioned last night, I, so, as, an, as an Arsenal fan, we have on our shirts the players so, visit Rwanda. I think it's getting a very bad press. OK, let's uh, bring well, it out First of all, this is not about Rwanda. People say nice things about Rwanda. I've never been there because this is about people who came through Europe uh, to Britain and who wanted to stay in Britain. So... You know, we ended deportation for criminals, uh, I think, in the 19th century. So I think the whole idea of, 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 of deporting people is, you know, to quote mm. Prince Charles, appalling or shaming or ugly, as the Tory mm. MP uh, Jesse Norman says. But the real test is, is it going to work? Right. right? And, and, and that's where you've fallen for this. I mean, you're not a Tory. I know you've got your own party. But, you know, the fact is this is... I'm cruel gesture politics. Because they've got six people on the plane. Yeah. We know, contrary to taking back control of our borders, actually immigration is going up in this country, mm. if that's what people are really concerned about. There are more people uh, came in, come in every day than they're even thinking of deporting uh, to uh, Rwanda. We know they've only prepared 76 places in Rwanda with the money mm. uh, that's been given so far. So this is not going to become but, and shouldn't become but, mass deportation. Well, we also know this, Richard. Let me put this to you, because it's just an interesting thing that I read about today. We found some information about it. So between 2014 and 2017, Israel operated a similar scheme, sending people to Rwanda and Uganda under a voluntary scheme. Migrants were given a choice to return to their own country or accept a payment of £2,700 and a plane ticket to East Africa, or go to jail if they stayed in Israel. Now, apparently, a lot of people took the option of going to East Africa, but then left. <laughs> and, and they actually migrated to other parts of I, Europe. I, I, so I mean, it, didn't, it didn't solve the problem. That was then, this is now. I refer to what I just read out earlier in terms of uh, the UN's own report. Amnesty International is more critical of Spain's performance with migrants and refugees, and indeed the UK, than it is of Rwanda. Ultimately, we've got... I think we're all agreed we've got to have a deterrent to stop people coming across the Channel. This may or may not work. My hunch is that it probably won't, because the odds, for the reasons you've just mentioned, of you actually mm. um, going from the UK to Rwanda are remarkably low. You know, my preference, actually is to keep working with the French and to have a joint arrangement where anybody who comes across the Channel is, is picked up safely, taken back to France, you have a joint processing centre, and they are promptly, I mean, rapidly processed. OK, I mean, look, but, Australia, but the French but, have resisted But the French are showing no inclination. The problem is we can't so you have to French keep, do a problem. But you have to try new things right. to well, act well, as a deterrent. Yeah, what, that, what about uh, Ukraine? So when you, the war in Ukraine happened, we suddenly have a massive influx of Ukrainians. Yeah. Now, they're not entering illegally vast majority, they're coming here legally, but we are working very hard to process very quick asylum for these people. Well, nothing, nothing compared to other European countries. Right, but we're still doing it. What I mean is that our system seems to work fine with Ukraine. Well, well, this is what... Why we, can't we get a better system no, but this, this for is people who hear, are not coming from This is Ukraine? what you hear from people like Nadim Zahawi, uh, that there are ways to come in. Actually, if you're in Libya, if you're in... Um, Iran, if you're in Iraq, there aren't easy ways for you to for you to apply and 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 come in. So I'm not I'm not saying you should try and be uh, illegal, but they 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 are actually 
not telling the public the truth when they say it's easy for people uh, to apply If we accept that the Rwanda right. thing probably isn't going to work, I don't think it will, but either way, if it's not doing something like that, something dramatic, we well, try and make a big deterrent statement, what should we do about stopping so many people risking their lives to come over on these dinghies? Well, I agree with Richard. I think we should be working with other European countries, but, of course... Thanks to Brexit, uh, we're not working. No, well. thank, we're, no we're, thanks, we're, to, thanks, thanks no, to Emmanuel no, we're, Macron, we're who's not, preventing we're, that particular thing that I just suggested yeah. from well, taking place. Because, that could happen because, with goodwill. Because on the because we, we, because we've chosen to go uh, to, a, to a menu where we think we can pick and choose rather than actually operate in alliance. Mm. And, and, you know, people were told, OK, that's going to put up the drawbridge. And actually, through government incompetence, it hasn't put up the drawbridge. People are still coming in. And once they recognise and see that, I think the government's going to be in big problems because their supporters wanted that. And that is why they are doing this policy. This policy is a PR stunt mm. to persuade people that they're dealing with That's immigration when they're not. That's what it smacks off to me. But, as Richard. we know, this government is very good at talking the talk, all sorts of headlines, short-term headline-grabbing spin, and then no delivery. And the reality is, you've just touched on it, the Home Office is not fit for purpose. We saw it in the early weeks of the Ukraine refugee crisis. We were miles behind. We know that we're way too slow with processing these claims. But I just want to put one point here, which is actually, there's a lot of suggestions we're not taking our sort of allocation of uh, asylum seekers and refugees. That's actually not true. In the last three years, we're in the top four nations for taking refugees from elsewhere in the world. And we've been taking them from Afghanistan. We've been taking them from Ukraine. We've been no, taking... Re refugees are different from immigration. So, yeah, yeah. No, hang on. But Afghanistan yeah. was a war zone. Uh, Ukraine is a war zone. Obviously, we've, we've been quite rightly we very generous why, why with Hong I, Kong. Whenever I watch people like Nigel Farage constantly banging on about economic migrants and saying these are young men in a very disparaging way, why do we demonise economic migrants who might be of use to our economy? Well, I think the reality is... You know, we always want a smart, lawful immigration system mm. that works for our economic needs at a particular time. But the key word is lawful, as opposed to illegal. Mm. You can't just open all borders and say, everyone's welcome. That's not going to work. We know we've got huge infrastructure problems, housing problems, GP problems, hospital problems. So we've got to plan for this on a sensible, grown-up basis. And I think, historically, we've actually been quite good at you that. You see, but this is the problem. I agree with what you've just said. But I don't agree that it is the British way to just ship people off who may have come from genuinely horrific but, places but, and horrific conditions, which yeah. partly we may have helped create, Iraq and so on, that we just put them on a plane to someone like Rwanda. Well, particularly if you're paying half a million pounds per seat, right. whatever it's costing but, to, to, to look, get the, them... The number, that number's irrelevant. If we it's have not. 50, it's let, not, not to on a taxpayers. Basis, it is. If we have 50,000 people cross the channel this year, 40 grand each in the first year, that's two billion in one year, on top of the current five billion plus okay. that um, illegal We've got some other things, but I've actually really enjoyed this debate. I just want to end by asking both of you, you first, Richard, in a year's time, will we still be sending people to Rwanda or is this thing dead in the water? Well, it's an unfortunate phrase, but you know what I mean? Uh, I, I think that's unlikely, hmm. and in a year's time, I suspect, sadly, there will still be lots of refugees, uh, people, illegal migrants, making that very dangerous uh, voyage uh, trip across the Channel. Adam, we don't want to have people dead in the water, but I don't want to have them flown off to Rwanda. So there's got to be another way. Has this government got it in it, do you think, to come up with another way? In a word, no. I mean, I, the, the precedent of schemes like this is the Israeli scheme you mentioned, is the Australian scheme you mentioned, and both of them 
basically have gone into stalemate now and they're not sending vast amounts of people out, although there are some people still uh, But actually, in, the Australian in scheme did work. It did stop Well, it did threat. reduce the number of people coming on mass, but they also had a lot of mistreatment of people in these yeah. centres they yes. put them in. And, of course, we don't want that. That's not the British way. Yeah. But the British way is to actually find a yeah, problem and, and try and find a solution. And we've got to keep... And the problem is no-one else has got an alternative solution. Australia, as they always point out, has a much greater flow of immigrants coming into the country yeah. anyway. I do agree, though. When I listen to Labour, I don't hear an answer. Right? I hear a lot of whining about what the Tories are trying to do. I don't hear a, a credible answer from them either. It's a very complex issue. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Adam. Good to see you both. And since the next is Golf Stars spurn the PGA for Saudi-backed rival, is sports washing, as they call it, selling out? Well, football legend Harry Redknapp will be here to discuss that next. The least surprising news of the millennium is that Kim Kardashian seems to have ruined Marilyn Monroe's iconic dress. This is before, on the left. And on the right is what it now looks like. Apparently all sorts of stuff went wrong with it when Kim Kardashian tried to burst herself into it. That's why she should have never been allowed anywhere near the damn thing. Um, there we are. Uh, Kim Kardashian ruins popular culture. Who knew? Uh, sport washing. What is it? Well, it's when a cold-shouldered, controversial country uses the prestige and popularity of sport to whitewash its ugly reputation. The Live Golf series is the latest sporting spectacle to face the charge. Top stars have been offered bottomless pits, pots of Saudi Arabian gold to join the breakaway league and abandon the PGA Tour. And to supporters, that's just business. But to critics, it normalises the Saudi regime, which uses forced labour, bombs children in Yemen and murders journalists. So is sport putting money before morals. Well, here's golf superstar Rory McIlroy, who spoke out against the Live Golf Invitational Series. I'm sure not every Saudi Arabian is a bad person. And, like, it's, it's very, you know, we're talking about this in such a generalised way. And I've spent a lot of time in the Middle East, and the vast majority of people that I've met there are very, very nice people. But there's bad people everywhere, and... You know, the bad people that came from that part of the world did some absolutely horrendous things. Well, joining me now, one of the most experienced Premier League managers of all time, former Tottenham and West Ham boss, Harry Redknapp. Harry, great to talk to you. Piers, good to talk to you. This sports washing, um, what do we make of it? I mean, the principle behind it is that these dodgy regimes, corrupt regimes that do terrible things, have appalling human rights records use sport by investing heavily into the sports to try and improve their image. What do, you, what do you feel about this phenomenon? We're seeing it more and more now in boxing, in football, in Formula One, now in golf. Mm. I think it's been going on a long time, Piers. You know, I mean, we look, we look back to, you know, people cleaned up their image by buying football clubs, coming to England, buying Premier League clubs. It's something that's been going on quite a while, obviously, with the Saudi situation and the things that have gone in their country. But, you know, they're coming, they're now owning a club in the Premier League, Newcastle, and we can, you know, we all feel strongly about the things that have gone out, gone on in that country, but, you know, you can't tell them Geordies, 55,000 of them that turn up every week to Newcastle, they, they you know, they're not suddenly going to stop going and the players have been offered enormous amounts of money to go and play in this new golf 
this uh, new golf competition and golf tour, and they're going to take it. I mean, to be honest, they're not... You know, if someone's coming off and them 50, 60, 100 million to, to go and play golf and, and where they can treble their earnings, they're going to think, well, if I don't do it, somebody else will do it. So, unfortunately, that is the way of the world. Someone will come along and tomorrow and, and say, well, you know, do you want to come out and work in Saudi? We'll give you 10 times what you're earning now. It's very difficult to turn it down. I mean, I think that my issue with it is there's a lot of hypocrisy around this. I mean, take the PGA who run yeah. the biggest golf tournament in the world, the, the, the series. Everybody wants to be on it. But the PGA did let Phil Mickelson, a number of the other players on this live tour now, they did let them play in a Saudi tournament last year. The deal was they then had to play in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am once in the next two years. That says to me this is not about morality, it's about money. Mm. Yeah. But it's all about money, isn't it, really? Everything is about money, really, Piers. You know, we've had the boxing going to Saudi. We've had, you know, as I say, they're now coming the owning clubs in the Premier League and, you know, nobody really, you know, the Newcastle players will go over to Saudi for a visit with the management team and, you know, um, as I say, and the Geordie, the, the them great Newcastle fans who love their club every week, they're not the slightest bit bothered whose money it is. As long as he's buying, they're buying better players, they're winning more games, they're up the league. Uh, I always said years ago, if Saddam Hussein had had a team, they'd all be singing, there's only one Saddam, the fans, you know? Mm. That is how it is, isn't it? They're only interested. They give us a winning team, don't care what you, where your money come from. How many times have you seen it in this country? People only buying sports franchises who, you know, we all wonder where their money's come from. And suddenly they change their image, they clean their image up by. I mean, we saw it, didn't we? We saw it with um, Abramovich at Chelsea, you know, who was one of Putin's Putin's friends. And he bought Chelsea, he gave them a better image. With the war in Ukraine, he was unable to then denounce the war or criticize Putin because he would have probably been killed by Putin. So he'd said nothing. And as a result, he's lost it all. Yeah, I mean, we don't actually know who owns half these Premier League clubs anyway, really, do we? Who, you know, we had people, you know, I, I hear stories. This guy who owned one club, he now owns a, another club in England, but he's not the chairman because it's his money. It's owned by the, the front man, is somebody else. They're all, you know, they're using their money to wash their money. And um, it's so really, it's we're not sure who's actually behind after clubs in the Premier League. I wouldn't think it, certainly a few of them anyway. We've got the World there's Cup, certainly Harry. Russian money and right. And I, I totally agree with you. We've got the World Cup coming in Qatar, and as a result, it's not this summer as it should be. It's going to be in in our winter. Uh, and yeah. my issue with that is, I saw FIFA, for example. You know, FIFA's been all over Pride Month and talking about it's it, we should be celebrating. LGBT equality and gay rights and so on, and yet they've sold their most prestigious tournament, yeah. the World Cup, to Qatar, where it's illegal to be gay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of hypocrisy again there, isn't yeah. there? Absolutely. Well, you know, listen, we're not silly. You're not. You're a clever man. You know what? What? Why has it ended up there? You'd have to. You know why have we have all have had all these problems with Sepp Blatter, Platini, and all these people. It's all. Is it, is it corruption, Harry? You know, plain and simple. Awful, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's got to be, isn't it? Why have they? Why have they get? Why do they get these tournaments? You know, you see the Russians. You know, you see Putin with Johnny Fant. What's his name? Infantini or what his name is? Uh, you know, he's got giving him a lovely, nice uh, 
I don't know whether it was a gold watch or what he was getting off him one day. But, you know, listen, that's how, that's, that's, that's how it works, unfortunately. So we'll end up with, with tournaments, you know, in places like that because it, because it suits the people to, to make the decisions. Yeah. Harry, great to talk to you. Really appreciate it. It's a complex issue, but I think in the end and you're you... right. And I think there's so much hypocrisy about all this. Money will talk, and the hypocrites should... Yeah, really there is, for get, sure. Money the hypocrites will talk. should take a back seat. Great to talk to you, Harry. And you, Piers. Well done, mate. Bye. All the best. Well, finally tonight, uh, I've got a 10-year-old little girl who I'm proud to call my daughter. But thankfully, she doesn't attend the Burgess Hill Girls' School, a couple of miles from where I grew up, where the world daughter is now apparently offensive. Yeah, her teacher of his school is a private girls' school in leafy West Sussex. Won't call her pupils girls because she says there are so many gender options available. This label says, I use the word students instead of girls. When you're writing to parents, it's difficult not to use the word daughters sometimes. Child or children suggest someone too young. You can't use the word daughters all the time about someone's little girl. Let me help you, headmistress. Can I call you headmistress? Little girls are somebody's daughters. Stop the madness. That's it for tonight. Whatever you're doing tonight, keep it uncensored. Good night.